Hey everyone, we're back with another week of Find Your Film. This is for the week ending January 14th, 2022. Eric's had a full day. Eric Holmes has had a full day of work. He's called himself Homestel Poseidon. This is based on a Poseidon type of movie that we're going to be covering. How are you doing, Eric? How's that mic going? Uh, Pretty good. I think the mic's doing good. Mike, Tell me. Uh, I was nagging. I was nagging Eric Holmes listeners within the last couple of weeks about how he was coming under on the audio, and that now he blows me away with some really good audio, Brian Eno audio. How's how's his audio, Bruce? What do you think? It's sexy and deep and mellifluous. Mellifluous. Don't use those fancy words to me and Eric. We don't understand yeah, what you're saying. I couldn't even say it. So great Bruce and Eric and Light One One Point Nine. Thank you for joining us this great. evening. <laughs> Okay. Yes. You know what? I'm gonna. I'm gonna. That second sounds silky smooth. Sounds of Eric Holmes. Very, very silky smooth. Eric Holmes. Very, very good, sir. We have Bruce. The tragedy of McPerk. Perky. Bruce, you've actually put in not just an honest day's work, you've du- kind of double dutied on the work. Well, actually, I was gonna, you know, considering one of the movies that we're going to be <laughs> uh, reviewing this week, I, I should have said double duty instead of double duty. But Bruce, what, what, where, where did you just come from? Can you tell our listeners? I was in a panel interview with the director of Bell, which we're going to talk about in this episode. So I got to ask one question, but it was it was still a lot of fun to listen to uh, the director talk about that movie. Was your question br- a brilliant one? What, what question did you ask? <laughs> it was so not brilliant, but that's okay. I'll, I'll live with it. You didn't. You, you didn't go. You didn't ask him what his favorite color was, did you? No, no. I just asked him about all the movies he likes and not his movie. I didn't even mention his movie. No. So, you know. <laughs> Great question, Bruce. We have a whole bunch of movies this week to cover. We have. Bell, Italian Studies. Oh, my gosh. I, I think rumor has it that Bruce Perky really loved Italian Studies, that he's actually going to Italy with that movie in tow to watch it on the flight over. It, 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 Italian Studies will be your in-flight movie. you got to watch it eight times, eight to ten times, and then land in Rome where you get to learn the language. That's how much Italian Studies moved you, correct, Bruce Perky? It's mucho bella. I think, I don't know if that's <laughs> mucho, Italian. Mucho. I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't Mama know like, what kind of... <laughs> Oh, very, very good. We have that. We have Hotel Poseidon per Eric's moniker this week of home, Homestel Poseidon. And of course, fi- last but definitely not least, Bruce and Eric saw the new, is it Ethan Cohen or Joel Cohen who directed The Tragedy of Macbeth? Do you know which be- Cohen it is? Eric Holmes. I believe it is Joel Cohen. Joel Cohen, the director of The Tragedy of Macbeth. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Joel Cowan. Joel, Joel, Joel Cowan. Cowan. Very, very good. Currently streaming on Apple TV. They're going to chime in on whether this movie... It, Bruce, is Macbeth, is it based on uh, something uh, good, uh, Shakespeare, right? Is, is that the the dude who who wrote it? What do you think? I yeah. think so. Um, maybe. Yeah, yeah, I'm not very... My, a little bit over my... Eric, is it uh, Shakespeare, Macbeth? Did ring any bells, this movie? Do you understand the language? Shakespeare, Shakespeare. I've heard of that... I've, I believe I've heard of that guy. He's pretty it's good from what I hear. Yeah. He's pretty Does good. These, these, these things called sonnets. We'll see if, I don't know. I, Shakespeare is a big barrier of entry to me. We'll see if Bruce and Eric convince me to actually watch this Cohen brother movie. So these are the movies we're going to be featured. Bruce and Eric both have recommendations. But before we get to the lean meat of it, let's get with the Eric Holmes. You have a whole bunch of movies that you saw with just... Not the not within the purview of our weekly find your film thing. What have you been doing? Watching so many movies. What kind of little nuggets do you have for us this week before we get into our main reviews? You saw like an oh, alien I, film or something like that. I, something very quick. Bar- well, I posted the the eye in the eye in the sky on the uh, cinematics uh, Facebook page. Uh, rewatched that, and then of course I had to do official secrets. And then in doing that, I saw a movie called The Angel, which I. I 
angel. We might just talk about that next week. Um, but okay, the angel. The, the, Why? The, what led it you to was, the angel after one? So, Eye in the Sky and Official Secrets is on Netflix, and then the angel was one of those. If you like that, you'll like this. And I watched it, and I liked it. So <laughs> the, 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 <laughs> okay. there's a short version. And then I saw. Um, uh, didn't see i listened to on audible they had a audio play of alien 3 uh with uh lance henrickson michael beans on it it was kind of neat because i guess it was based off of a early script of alien 3 because if you know anything about the production of alien 3 you know they shot without a script which is kind of inaccurate because they've had like a bunch of different scripts and rewrites and stories on the way up and as far as I can tell, this was just one of the early scripts that they liked, and maybe they tweaked a little bit and then made a audio drama out of it, and it was pretty good. Um, I still think the Alien 3 that we got is the better one, um, especially since Ripley's not in... Like, with the Alien 3 where Ripley is pretty much in it and everyone else is dead, this is the exact opposite, where everyone else is in it, but Ripley... She's not dead, but she's, like, away throughout most of the story. And it, this plays kind of like Aliens Part 2. If you're a fan of Alien 3, and I guess if you're a fan of Audible audio stuff, is this highly recommended for you? As far as just and- Yeah, it's it's about two hours long. I, I was doing a parts run up to uh, up to Denver and back, so I just listened to it there. And yeah, it, it, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like one of those, oh, this is the one they should have made. But it, you know, it was a, a neat curiosity, kind of like, uh, oh, this is what could have been. I've talked to, about um, if they were ever to remake Gremlins, always you know go back to the original Christopher Columbus script, the really dark script, and just do that exactly as it is, and as a way to say see what could have been. I think if you were to remake it, that'd be the interesting way to do it. This is kind of kind of that, but with the audiobook or a audio drama form. Just like this oh. is what an Alien Three could have been, wasn't. But this is, you know, give you an idea. Have you always known about this Audible uh, release, or, or is it something you've been meaning to see to listen to all these years, or it just came I, up? I heard about it about a month or two ago, and I just happened to re- like it was one of those things. I heard about that, and I was like, oh, I should listen to that. And then I had some credits. And I was like, and it popped up. I'm like, oh, yeah, that was a thing. Fuck it. I'll listen to it now. And that's what I did. And well, uh, you'll, you'll listen. Yeah, if, you, if you like the Alien movies, uh, give it a shot. It's not going to knock your socks off, but, you know, it's kind of fun. It'll kill two hours. Well, a good way to kill two hours. Eric Holmes is early to the game last week when he actually reviewed Bell. So our featured review this week is only featured because all three of us are going to review it now that Eric reviewed it last week. He praised it last week. He was finding it a a little bit hard on how to actually describe the movie. And I was wondering, Eric, I mean, it's just a movie. Just describe it. And then I just started watching Bell and I go, wow, Eric did a great job in trying to describe what the effing bleep Bell is about. All I'm going to say, Bruce, and you can actually, since you're more eloquent and can embellish on this, it's a modern day, modern day take on the Beauty and the Beast tale, taken within the within the realm of. I know a lot of people hate this word. Amidst the worlds of virtual reality and the impending metaverse, where people will be their own digital avatars. Digital avatars is a big part of what Bell is about. There's a lonely, shy girl who, when she enters this different 
world. I believe it's the world of, I think, Bruce or, or Eric, correct me, the world of you or maybe the you. You is the name of the app that she goes into and she becomes this very popular singer named Belle. And she has a beautiful voice and millions, millions and millions of users of this app, of this game, actually flock to her singing and whatnot. The movie is, the animated film is a take on the social, the metaverse, the virtual reality, the destructiveness of social media, while also being a modern day take on Beauty and the Beast. Bruce, is there anything else I can add regarding plot embellishments or just layers regarding what Bell is about? I think one of the biggest things, I think I'd mentioned this when we talked about it briefly before, uh, one of the biggest things I would like to accentuate is that this is only partly in that world. Because I think that even the the featured uh, trailers and stuff kind of make it look like you spend a lot of time in the U, which you do, but I would say you spend at least as much, if not more, in kind of the, quote, real world. I was also struck by how in this movie, neither is considered great and neither is considered bad. You know what I mean? Like a lot of times you're going to have this alternate reality uh, virtual world and they're going to paint it as like, this is fake and this isn't the real you and this is all... You know, you need to be yourself. There's some elements of that, and there's some elements that are really good about this alternate, you know, world. And the last thing I would mention is, without spoiling how this ends, I really, really appreciated the journey that Suzu, who is the main character, the, the real world character that becomes Belle, the way that she kind of comes to a couple different climactic moments in this movie, and she it is not in a really stereotypical way it's a really emotional way i thought so it's yeah i think it's a really really effective movie yeah bell's very resonant here's the thing the barrier the barrier of entry to this is when you think of bell it is a very grown-up animated film so if you're thinking of taking your young i have a five-year-old niece she's not gonna watch bell there are things that happen in bell that are very traumatic okay that i don't know five six seven year old kid can take maybe i'm wrong i'm not a parent i'm just a funkel so i don't know but there are some grown-up <laughs> moments in this or maybe who knows maybe this is some of the tragic moments. What, what you're laughing eric what, what you what you got oh the funkel the funkel <laughs> i really ended up really loving this movie it, it is melodramatic at moments but that's part of the sweeping epic that is bell i again i agree with you bruce that it goes in a certain direction that you're thinking it's going to be predictable especially if you know the beauty and the beast story but it goes in a completely different twisty direction which i thought was very very cool tackles heavy subjects pretty well for me this is a four star film highly recommended i forgot eric how many stars did you give this last week shoot i don't remember i don't think it did because i talked about this on cinematics so i don't think i talked about it here but this would for sure be okay yeah yeah my bad my bad this for sure would be a four star movie uh, probably four and a half. Th- this one's really good, and the ending really uh, hit home with me. I, I mentioned, uh, you know, it was very similar to a Satoshi Kon movie, and those movies are fantastic. So, and this one's just as good as those, I think. And yeah, this uh, this is gets high marks for sure. Eric, again, that's four stars for you. I might even go. You know what? I'm I'm gonna go four and a half on this. And th- this could probably be a five star movie if I watch it a bunch of times because it, it's just it, it's just one of those movies that it hits. You know, that movie that calls it shot and nails it. And I think the more I watch it, the more I like it. And I already like it a lot. So you know, that's I want to give it a four and a half with room to grow. Four and a half with room to grow. And Bruce, I believe you gave this movie five stars. I did. I give this five stars. I think that it, what does it for me is the finale. It's really good up until the finale. And then I think the finale nails it. And then it has another alternate finale, which I don't usually like kind of two endings, but both endings 
are really, really effective and surprised me, and I loved them. So I give it five stars. Okay, again, so that is that is Bell. So that it's going to be playing January 12th on IMAX and select theaters on IMAX theaters. Five stars for Bruce Perky. Bruce, this has a shot, Bell, being maybe actually one of your favorite films. Maybe it might be a top 20 in 2022, don't, don't you think? It sure could be. I, I've, I've thrown it into that file, which I begin every year. Uh, it's the only one in that file so far. And then as the year goes on, I will weed and resort that file and it might make it. Psycho Gorman was in that file early on last year and it made it to the top. So you never know. Very, it seems very to cool. Be a, it seems to be a common thing. You got Psycho, at least for me, uh, the first year we did this, it was Uncle Peckerhead. Yeah. Came out early in the year. Psycho Gorman. Uh, we haven't done the list yet, but I mean, Psycho Gorman's pretty sweet. And, and this <laughs> one as well. So, you know, they say January is the dumping ground. But there's always at least the one or two gems that last throughout the year. Yes. Yep. And obviously, Bell, again, Eric Holmes, you gave it four and a half stars. Bell is going to be one of those movies that's going to be a very, very special film for a lot of people. Hopefully, more people will get to see Bell once it gets to streaming or maybe Blu ray or DVD. Bruce, was I wrong regarding that kids who are five, six, seven shouldn't watch Bell? Or are they? Yes. Yes, you were wrong. Okay, I was wrong. So kids. Because what, what you're referring to is a time honored tradition in Disney classics. From years gone by, if you think about it. So, yeah. Yes. No, this is for anybody. This is for anybody. Okay. So, I I stand corrected as the Funkle. As the Funkle. Again, I, we apologize. You're, you're going to hear some idiot edits, but idiot edits by me because this idiot me had a horrible Wi-Fi situation. So, it might, might sound a little bit edited, but... Eric was laughing at my Funkle jokes because that's that's what I call myself, Funkle Greg. Now, enough of Funkle Greg. Let's get to Shakespeare and Macbeth, the tragedy of Macbeth. Joel Cohen, Eric Holmes spearheaded this because he wanted, he saw this first, I believe, on Apple TV. Bruce, I believe, followed suit. Guys, what can you tell me about the tragedy of Macbeth, starting with you, Bruce? Well, first of all, it's Macbeth. It's Shakespeare. So this is going to be a giant barrier of entry for a lot of people. If you don't like Shakespearean language, you don't like Shakespeare, it may not be for you. But that being said, to me, at least, and I'm pretty sure Eric is along the ride for this, uh, this is a really, really, really well done Shakespeare adaptation. Um, obviously, Joel Cohen is a pretty masterful filmmaker at this point. And uh, what I really like about this, it could have gone a bunch of different ways. Uh, it's black and white, and you've probably seen scenes from it or at least shots from it. It's very, It very much goes into almost um, kind of that expressionistic, really hard shadows and light. And it's very, um, it's like it's stage bound in a way. It's really theatrical, but it's also visually really cinematic while it's still on a stage stage-like setting. So I don't know how to describe that exactly. Until you see the movie, you'll kind of know what I mean. I guess I would describe it... I mean, Hitchcock did that, right? Hitchcock did everything on a soundstage, pretty much, for a lot of stuff on sound stages. But he also made them really interesting and cinematic in the production and in the shots and in the the way that he presented the images. So for me, I think it's really effective in that way. And then on top of that, Denzel and Francis McDormand are both pretty fucking great in this. There's a lot of great supporting characters. I'd really like to call out Catherine Hunter, who plays all three witches. That role is pretty incredible. I, I just think it's a great movie. And it's, and it's, it is of all the Shakespeare plays. I mean, there's a lot of great tragedies. This is one of the biggies, of course. But this one is really resonant, I think, still now because it's all about greed and power and revenge and the the you know the cancerous you know nature of gaining power and how it can just eat away at someone's you know humanity and soul. It's 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 pretty great. Eric, do you have to be a Shakespeare fan to appreciate the tragedy of Macbeth, or can you actually enjoy it just for the cinema sake of it? I think this is pretty easy to enjoy. 
This is not like my main problem with a lot of Shakespeare adaptations is the way that Shakespeare, you know, the the language that he wrote of the time almost gives current day actors carte blanche to overact. And I'm not like the the tone of their voice or the the way that they're talking doesn't match what the character's saying. Thou for Arthur Romeo. It's like I don't <laughs> think they I don't think they mean it quite that intense. Take it down like 10 steps, you know. With this one, um, I think that uh, it sounds like uh, everyone that was in this movie gets what gets Shakespeare. And that sounds like completely hipster to say because I don't get Shakespeare. But I, I get the sense that they, everyone knows what their character is in within context of the scene. Because this is a really simple story, and this is the first time I've seen this story in a in a way that made sense to me. And it's it's just uh, you know a, a witch tells Macbeth that uh, you're going to be king. Oh, cool! What about my uh, what about my heirs? Well, his heirs are going to be king after you. <laughs> oh, well, then that means that they probably kill me. So I got to kill them. And then it becomes a uh, what's the what's the phrase the inevitable or whatever uh, my brain sucks. foreshadowing foreshadowing or inevitable or uh, it's like uh, it basically Macbeth in trying to oh right a self fulfilling prophecy there there you go self fulfilling yeah. prophecy he tries to make all this stuff not happen and in trying to make that not happen it ends up happening anyway. So really the witch saying this is going to happen to you. The witch is saying you're going to fuck yourself up <laughs> because you're going to try to stop this if you would just relax and do the thing. But uh, yeah, it, it, it's a really good story. And this movie is freaking beautiful. Absolutely great looking. In fact, I've not seen, I think Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford is probably one of the best looking movies I've ever seen ever. And then this movie comes out and I'm like, this is also one of the greatest looking movies I've ever seen in my life. I know we don't like talking about Oscars too much on here, but if this doesn't win Best Cinematography, then you know, I, I guess we can just skip the Oscars every year because it's just <laughs> bullshit. With strong words, strong. You know, you know what? Uh, we're not. Find your film used to be a podcast hosted by Bruce Perky, Eric Holmes, and Greg Trizavosti. We were on for about two years. After this is the news ticker take that we're talking about self fulfilling prophecies and f- foreshadowing, or maybe I don't know uh, prologues. After taking on Disney on one podcast, Eric Holmes started to take on the Oscars, and suddenly the powers that be took down the podcast. And well, now- I mean. The the what what happened to the Golden Globes this year? <laughs> Didn't right. they do the Golden Globes? Yeah. So yeah. Know, even institutions die off sometimes. This is nothing to, against Oscars because they haven't even mentioned. It. But dude, this movie looks so great that the, there's just I don't know how you I, I don't know how that doesn't happen. This movie looks fantastic. Well, I'm excited for the to, to actually watch this movie, and I don't know if you guys was there a direct homage to the way Orson Welles used to shoot these Shakespearean films like Othello or Chimes at Midnight. Have you guys seen any of his black and white stuff, Orson Welles' stuff with rendition of Shakespeare with the edits and the compositions have you have you guys tried his stuff yet i haven't seen uh othello i saw what i saw like half a chimes at midnight that one didn't quite work for me um sure. maybe i should just go back to it and and try it again but uh yeah so i guess the short answer i don't know you're saying it, it it looks beautiful but there's not really too much flashy edits or none of that kind of stuff in this this is just no, very really beautiful no they uh they, i mean the shots look great and and you can tell that uh there's like one shot where someone falls down the stairs where they cut to someone falling down the stairs. 
that would be like the one shot where I'm like, cut that, you don't need it, and it didn't look that great. But, I mean, the fact that even that one stood out as the one bad shot in the entire movie kind of uh, tells you how, how great the rest of it is. Okay, the reason why I'm asking about editing, because Orson Welles had a really, really interesting approach to editing with his movies. There's some interesting, you're saying, you're talking about that one edit in The Tragedy of Macbeth. What about the editing behind Bruce Hotel Poseidon? This is a movie that is currently (laughs) streaming on Arrow Player. We received, all three of us received a link where we're actually realizing that Arrow is having its own streaming service. I believe it's called Arrow Player. I believe it, I don't even know if it's an app. I think it, it I, I'm going to have to, we're going to have to look at how much the subscription service is right now, but we want to cover for you guys some of the streaming options that you have right now. This movie, this movie Hotel Poseidon actually came out January 3rd. We received the link a little bit late. That was my fault. And so we're covering it a week later regarding Hotel Poseidon. I'm just going to just start off with, this is set, I believe in Belgium. And it's a hotel. It's not really a hotel Poseidon, okay? Or Poseidon Hotel, whatever that is, okay? Because the hotel is dilapidated. It basically doesn't operate anymore. It's a property where people squat in, okay? And one of the squatters is this dude who is just really weird. He's, he's weird. He's reserved. You're wondering what, what is he about, and what's interesting is you've come to find out, and it's not a spoiler, that he has familial ties to this supposedly this abandoned place, this hotel. And the rest of the movie, you see this antagonist, I mean not antagonist, this protagonist who you, who you actually deem as weird from the get-go. And ultimately, you realize he might be the most normal human being in this otherwise really surreal environment. This is 90-plus minutes of nightmarish images and situations i can't even it's it's hard to even really express what i went through all i know is i had a really good time watching this movie i don't know personally if i can actually recommend hotel poseidon to a wide group of people if you have a taste for experimental cinema think of think of watching a 90 minute movie with some kind of theatrical improv group just doing whatever they want to do Think of some really interesting images that you might not be able to get out of your mind. And then, I don't know if this is the cherry on top, the icing on the cake. Throw in some of the most disgusting images you'll probably ever see in cinema. (laughs) So throw that griminess on top of all of these layers and it worked for me. Bruce Perky, did Hotel Poseidon work for you? Um, well, uh, this would definitely be some people's favorite movie. I can see some people loving this movie. I am not one of those people. Uh, I, I will do my attempt to describe it similar to what you just did. Um, you thought I would Bell say, was tough to describe. Now we're I would here. say someone, someone watches a bunch of Lynch. They watch a bunch of John Waters. They drop it into the world of Gummo and stir it around for a whole lot. And then they kind of say, "Ta-da! I've got a movie." I, I that's fair. Is, um, that's fair. That's fair, Bruce. Yeah, and I, I feel like this is a it's the difference between okay Lynch and Waters and all these people. I feel like they've earned the respect of their weirdness, whether you like it or not. I think they've kind of earned it. I don't feel like this one has earned it yet. It kind of just goes from zero to Lynch <laughs> without stopping and and passing go. It's aggressively quote random like it's like oh my god look what i just did there's a dead person with makeup on in the hallway in a in a bed oh my god oh i dropped that egg into this bucket of slop and i'm gonna take it out and i'm gonna cook it isn't it gray and gross Uh, yeah no i i actively hated this movie by the end 
hated this movie by the end. I really did not like it at all. It was so far up its ass and letting you watch himself go up its own ass and letting you see all the details of going oh, up its own ass. On. Bruce, don't you don't you like bloody blenders? Don't don't it you was like just those? I like gross and weird movies. I like incredibly strange and odd movies. I like movies that a lot of people hate. I did not like this movie. I it, it, it was not for me at all it did um oh wow okay yeah i will give it um i okay i liked one thing i liked the title sequence i liked how it went around the room and the lobby over and over again and eventually came around to spell out the name of the of the movie i thought that was really clever and that was a great short and i could have stopped right there and i would have been cool so i give it a half star for that half star overall half star from bruce perky i give this is this to me is a solid recommend for me i give this movie three and a half stars hotel poseidon now i am as I was watching this movie, I actually cheated, Bruce. I saw on Letterboxd your half-star rating, and I was ready <laughs> yeah. to actually maybe even give this movie a zero. I was pleasantly surprised. It was a little bit of an ordeal for me to watch, but by the end, I would say, yes, I recommend this. I enjoyed this movie. All throughout the movie, I'm thinking, what is Eric Holmes going to think about this movie? Because you're saying sometimes he'll pick the weirdest movies, and he will really, you know, just re- really support them. He might love it. And if <laughs> I, I would love to, Eric, I, I would love to hear what you think about this. I'm so excited to hear your review of this movie. This movie is dog shit. <laughs> Kidding. I fucking love this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I say I love this movie. I don't fucking understand any of it. This is just this is just one of those where uh, like oh god, I got to talk about it again. So bad luck banging or loony porn was that movie that it didn't seem like it was saying anything or going anywhere, and then it got weird thin. And but by that time, I was already checked out. This one starts off weird, even though I didn't quite get it. It was one of those where I was just on the edge of my seat going, what's going to happen next? And then some weird shit happens. And I'm like, cool. Oh, now what, what do you got? And then they pull out more weird shit. And then like, and then they have that huge one kind of towards in where it goes to that party. And the camera's just going everywhere. And it almost feels kind of like, a, uh, what's that? Gaspar Bur- No movie? Irreversible? Uh, yeah, it, feels kinda, mm. it feels kind of like that uh, without the rape scene. Like, right. I don't exactly. think there was a rape scene. There might have been a rape scene. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not in this movie. But in, yeah, so an irreversible, no rape scene in this movie. I, I'm just saying there's so much shit going on at that yes. at that party at the end that, that, you know, something could have been going on in the background. And then, like, they cut to the room with, like, all the different Jesuses. I'm like, okay, I guess this is what we're doing now. And then it turns into, <laughs> then it turns into Castaway. <laughs> He's, like, in a room doing Castaway. This, this, I think this movie is kind of like a mother the Darren I was going to say that. Movie Mother. It's like Mother on Peyote. Yeah. I, I would say it, if you watch Mother and loved it like I did, at least give this one a shot. because this, I love Mother. I, 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 okay. I hated this. <laughs> well, well, that, that's why I'm saying at least give this one a shot because I think if you can yeah. if, if you can hang with Mother, this is kind of in that same wheelhouse where it's just weird and weird and I don't get what's going, but I'm interested to see what's coming next. And the thing that comes next is even weirder than the thing that came before it. And I'm like, I still don't understand what's going on, but I'm fucking here for all of it. This is also, um, unlike Looney Porn, this is a... This is one of those type of movies, at least to me, that even though I don't get it, I feel that I could. Like, I feel that there's something there that I'm just not grasping onto yet. 
but if I watch it again and again, like I, I can start picking things out of it. And that's exactly where we differ. Cause I felt like I didn't, and that's why I didn't like it, but I would have liked it if it felt like it did. So I didn't feel like I did that. And also to Bruce's point, there are going to be people that watch this and like half star (laughs) Bruce. People are, other people are going to watch and go, Nope, Eric's right on. This is a, Four and a half star. I'm just saying, <laughs> with room this to is, grow. Also, would you agree? This is one of the, every so often we have one of these. This is one of those. Give it, I don't know, twenty minutes. Yeah, and at twenty minutes, you'll know. Like if yeah. you're into it, twenty minutes in, it'll continue to give you uh, gifts. If, if like me, I was like so. I was see, I was the opposite. I wasn't intrigued. I got bored very quickly, and I was like, okay, is it going to do anything? So I think if you feel like I did then at 20 minutes, you could probably tap out. So Eric, you're giving this one yeah. four, four and a half stars, correct? Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> With okay, room so, to grow. With room, with room to grow. So <laughs> four, four and a half stars, amazing. Look, the reason why I ask you this is the reason why I'm giving this three and a half stars, which to me is a solid recommend anyway, is I looked at this as an absurdist comedy and I was laughing throughout the movie. Did you read this movie as a little bit of a comedy? And if you didn't, it'd be interesting because you and I had so many... A, that means all three of us had different takes on this movie. Bruce checked out on it, understandably, but that's still – it'd be interesting to hear what your take is and maybe all of us have different but kinds I, of reactions. I, I think this is one of those type of movies that does that based on where you're coming from. This movie's going to hit different people in different ways. You know, with with Bruce, it didn't grab him. He was turned off by it. You know, with, with me, I was just in. Not too in, because otherwise I would know what the fuck they were trying to say. But I was in enough to be interested in seeing what was going to unfold. I think, like, what David Lynch is a good example, too. uh, Because where David Lynch works the best, where he gets really weird with stuff like Inland Empire. And of any of David Lynch's movies, Inland Empire is probably the best one to compare this one to. With Inland Empire, you get out of the movie what you put into it. And some people... you know, they're not in the mood and they're like, fuck this movie. And other people, they put way too much in it and they're like five stars or four and a half like me. And other people, they see it for what it is like Greg and they're like, yeah, it's three and a half stars, which actually three and a half stars is probably the right, the <laughs> probably right Probably the reasonable <laughs> response. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this, this is just one of those movies that's, that you have to, this is like one of those personal movies. You got to go in for yourself and see whether or not this is a movie for you. And I, uh, and Again, like Bruce said, you get about 20 minutes in, you'll get the idea, and you'll know whether you're in or not by that point. Okay, so this is Hotel Poseidon. It's currently streaming via Aeroplayer. It's directed and written by Stefan Lemos. I believe I'm prob- probably pronouncing mispronouncing his name. Bruce, here's the thing. There are some really interesting moments. Do you feel that the filmmaker, what you actually saw regarding the mise-en-scene, all that stuff— do you see talent there and you didn't like the story? Do you know what I'm saying? Do you see promise in what this person can do and, or, and you just ended up did not not liking the product? Or can't you? May, maybe. Like I said, like the, I, I saw some style and some interesting thing in the title sequence, but I saw so lack of – such a lack of attention. Like I didn't understand – I didn't – I guess – Maybe, maybe with a different writer, I would, this director could do something really interesting, but it's kind of like, (laughs) exactly. Um, But it's kind of like to the point of what Eric said, right? Like he feels like with this kind of movie, you have to feel like they have something they're trying to get at and I just have to get to their wavelength to figure it out. But I kind of felt like they didn't. I felt like it was just random for random sake. And that's to me the biggest thing that I couldn't connect with. So it's really a matter of whether you kind of trust the filmmaker is actually going for something. 
I didn't. Good. And here, listeners, again, Eric gave it four and a half stars. I gave it three and a half. Bruce gave it half a star. Really, to all be three honest, of us are correct. All three of us. <laughs> we yes. are. Yep. This, thank you, Eric. Exactly. All three <laughs> Give of me some are, asset. I will be five stars. <laughs> all three of us are correct. So this is a big warning. Okay. If you're really, if you want to roll the dice. As, as a cinephile, go for it, okay? But know yeah. on the other end of watching this movie, you will might be hating or strong, let's just say strongly disliking me and Eric Holmes by the end of watching this movie and probably going to say, Bruce, I'm just going to trust you and keep giving you what's in the box recommendations. I never want to listen to Eric or Greg again. Well, that's a uh, honestly, I would, be in, I would be intrigued to watch this movie with my own review because anyone who has this wide of a range between these I would have to see it. I'd have to be like, what the hell is this movie? You know? <laughs> okay. Now, I, uh, unfortunately, I, this is a spoiler. I know I'm, I'm assuming what Eric and Bruce are going to say about this movie, Italian Studies. This is a movie directed, I believe, directed and penned by, I believe his name is Adam Leone. And I believe, and he previously directed the movies, Give Me the Loot and Tramps. Tramps was a 2016, 2017 film that's currently streaming on Netflix. I don't know, Bruce or Eric, if, if you have seen Tramps, set in New York City, very wonderful film, really loved it. Has like the, this like kind of, it's like an uncut gems, but a romantic comedy kind of thing, boy meets girl kind of thing. So it, it has that kind of Safdie Brothers energy to it. I really loved Tramps when it was released several years ago. So going into Italian studies, I was excited for it. And this movie, it's a very simple concept. Vanessa Kirby plays this author. She's the author of a short story collection called Italian Studies. For most of the movie, most of the movie is set in New York. It's set in New York and, and London. Most of the narrative is in the Big Apple. And for she, she has amnesia. She, she feels completely displaced from New York. She wanders around with hardly any cash. She mooches from people. But since she's a very charismatic person, she starts glomming onto, latching onto a group of youths because these young kids are going to be the inspiration for her next novel that she's currently writing. That is the premise of Italian studies. It sounds like there's a plot to it, but most of the movie is essentially a bunch of people walking and talking around New York, New York City, usually set in the, the dead of night. A lot of it is set in the dead of night. But, and then she meets a, a bunch of people. There's another guy that she meets who ends up being kind of a co-lead to the movie. He's a young kid. I believe his name is Simon Brickner, the actor, a newbie actor. I was really affected by this movie. I really enjoyed it. But again, this is another barrier to entry where I think some people may not like the freewheeling, seemingly improvised nature behind Italian studies. Eric Holmes, let's go for you. This is was this a movie that you latched onto or did did it have did it lose you right from the from the get go? No, this is this is another one of those uh we mentioned in a previous episode of uh indie porn and this is kind of what it felt like. You know, sometimes I'm in the mood for that. Cause I don't think this is a bad movie. I think this is a, a case of when I saw this movie, I wasn't in the mood for it. And it just it just dragged on. And it just felt like it was going on. Like, the movie's like, what, 70 minutes, 65 minutes? But 70, this is a yeah, really short, right. 78 this minutes, is a really, I think. Yeah. yeah, this is a really short movie. But it just felt like it was going on forever. I'm like, oh, God, fucking hurry up. <laughs> And I I just wasn't getting anything out of it. But there, I mean, there was some there was some good stuff in there, uh, the relationships and all that between the characters. There was something there. I just wasn't there for it when I watched it. If they, if that makes sense, like did like, you feel it, this movie smacked of self importance when you mentioned indie porn? Like maybe it was showing, oh, this is how cool I am. This is a story, or or am I wrong on that read? 
I th- I think there's a, like with movies like this, it feels like a lack of clarity, which sounds stupid after talking about Hotel Poseidon. <laughs> but uh, um, with Hotel Poseidon, it's you know supposed to be crazy. It's supposed to be kind of all over the place. With this, it feels like uh, this feels like the the first third of Looney Porn, where it's person walking across the road and then we got to watch them walk across the road and like like at least with hotel poseidon when it's getting you know when nothing's happening at least it's weird and i'm interested in what might be happening with this it's like when nothing's happening i'm like okay i feel like we're spinning our wheels right now uh i guess we talked about this a little bit with the boba fett's (laughs) (laughs) it's like let's let's go there's literally nothing for me to grab onto here and and sometimes that works because uh, what what was the uh, the Olivia Col- the Lost Daughter? Yes, Lost Daughter had some stuff like that. Which normally, if I was in the mindset that I was watching this, that I was with the Lost Daughter, I might have felt the same way about the Lost Daughter. I just happened to be in the right mood for that when watching the Lost Daughter, so I like that a lot more. In fairness, though, there's a lot more meat to chew on with the Lost Daughter. There's just a lot more narrative there. There's just a lot more to the yeah, Yeah. Yeah. And, then, and I guess there's also with the Lost Daughter, there's uh, you know the, the mystery aspect, and it's moving forward. I didn't feel that with this. It just kind of felt like, here's the thing that's happening and then mm. we'll wait a while and then here's another thing and it just it, it just didn't work for me but at the same time i could see myself watching this in another state of mind where i'm like uh you know and i'd be like right where you are right now yeah i i, I just caught this at the wrong time i think because there's definitely some good stuff there i just didn't get a lot of it when i was watching it you know i, I personally just connected to the whole theme about well it it is this person who has amnesia but it's also a, a yeah. the grander theme is about when we grow up do we lose our sense sense of self-identity of who we are do we have we lost a bit of our idealism or our outlook and that's maybe yeah. maybe that's a little bit part of the theme of this movie bruce did this movie resonate with you or whatsoever or do you think a lot of it was just pretentious and just didn't go anywhere for you I didn't really have a pretentious issue with it. I, I didn't like it very much at all. Uh, I, I had similar reaction to Eric's. Um, I mean, a lot of her wandering around with amnesia, just kind of wandering from place to place. That wasn't very interesting. Unless unless you like seeing her pee in a parking lot at night. I mean, that could be something that could be interesting to you, I guess. Not my thing, especially. And then uh, the problem I had, so the theme you're kind of talking about also really didn't work for me because it was a lot of it was a lot of wisdom from stoned art student kid types, and I felt like that that if anything was pretentious, that was to tell me that that was wisdom, and it was really kind of like obvious stuff that's maybe not obvious because they're young, but when you're older, that stuff's like obvious or not very wise. It's just kind of like it's kind of like being the only sober person in a party of drunk people like it is really not interesting if you're the sober person but if hey if you're stoned and drunk it might seem great but not to watch from the outside so that's kind of how it felt for me i gave it one star but only because i really had a lot of drama and worry about what might happen to the dog that she tied up at the beginning of the movie and that was the only thing that kept me going for the whole movie to find out if that dog would be all right or not very good and fyi no spoilers here but again that narrative loop is tied by the end we get we get to know the fate of the dog bruce gives it one star i'm giving it 
four stars. I ended up really, I like the atmospheric, free-flowing narrative to this. I thought Vanessa Kirby, she's a present. She's obviously, she's been in the Mission Impossible films. She was in The Crown. She she was in a movie called The World to Come, which no one has seen, but I really, really loved and loved her in this one. And I liked the director, really enjoyed the director, Adam Leone, writer-director of Tramps, Give Me the Loot, which I still have to see, and now Italian Studies. In fairness to Bruce and Eric, I, Eric, I'm going to get your rating in a second. It's... I don't know. I think a lot of people will agree with what Eric and Bruce have to say regarding not really thoroughly enjoying Italian studies again, but maybe I'm in the minority. I really enjoyed it. Four stars. Eric Holmes, final verdict, your star rating for Italian Uh, studies. For me personally, I'm kind of with Bruce on one star, but I want to be fair to this movie because I think that there's people that will kind of latch onto this movie the way that you did. So I'm just, I'm going to be generous and say three stars. Cause really? I, I, I think, I think it might be one of those movies. Like it, if you, if you hit it, if it hits you just right, you're going to like it. If you're like me and Bruce, you're going to hit it and it'd be like, uh. but mm. if, for me personally, it's one star, but I, I, I think, uh, I think there's uh, some people here that are going to dig it. So, Okay, we're going to give you one star, Eric. You're going to get one star. And then, look, again, but we're going to have three stars for people who, like me, might be good. Might be good. But, Eric, always be be selfish. Think of yourself. One star from Eric Holmes. I'm thinking of the listener. Yes, yes. thinking of the listener. What what do I like? It doesn't matter. I'm the guy that like, don't look up. I'm thinking of the listener here. We didn't again, even bring it up this time. <laughs> again, Eric Holmes, a lot of people like Don't Look Up. Don't you remember? There was a grand swell of support. A couple the, people do. I yeah, a couple, a, couple, a couple people. There. Okay, so th- I believe those are our featured reviews. Bell, all, strong recommends all around. Again, five stars from, from Bruce Perky. Italian Studies, I'm the only one who liked it. And Eric is trying to be generous with the three stars. Thank you, Eric, for that. Four of the mass, one star for he and Bruce. And then Hotel Poseidon, guess what? Eric Holmes is very passionate about this film. Hopefully, he'll be banging the proverbial drum. You better, Eric, within the next week, be banging the drum about Hotel Poseidon, getting people on that arrow player game if they want to gamble a little bit. It's, I think it's only like $5 a month to join up, but maybe they should see it. And finally, last but definitely not, not least, Eric and Bruce both love the tragedy of Macbeth currently streaming on Apple TV. Bruce Perky, what is your recommendation of the week. Thank you, Bruce Perky, for not foisting this on me and Eric as well. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I figured this is, if nothing else, this is value added for anyone who knows if they want to dive into a three plus hour documentary on Shudder called uh, Woodlands Dark and Days Bewitched by uh, Pierre La Janice. Eric, uh, hold if- on. I mean, Bruce, hold on. You're. You're a full, you're a full time dad. You're, mm-hmm. You have a full time job. How the heck do you have three hours to spare? Along with well, it, you, you watch it in parts. You know, you watch an hour in the morning, come home, watch another hour after dinner, and you watch another hour the next day. It's not that very, hard. Very good, very good. Yeah, it's a lot. So, it's a lot. <laughs> this is definitely if you're a horror fan, if you're a fan of folk horror, especially, then this is a a no brainer. You're gonna like this. I, I would say for movie lovers, uh, to me, it's like this. I brought a prop so you can you don't have it on a video here for so i've got this book called research incredibly strange films and i spent so many hours getting these crazy books you know and just reading through it and finding about all these weird movies i never heard of and i love that and so if you're the kind of siding on there it, it it might be in a future <laughs> edition i don't know if you are the kind of person that would could do that and really enjoy that this movie's for you because it is extremely comprehensive although i do doubt why it doesn't have Lose the Flower of Evil in there. But maybe it was 
finished, but right before that came out. I don't know. I'll give them credit because they have a ton of weird stuff on there. They go all international. They go into like British TV from the 60s. They go into all these different movies from throughout time. And it is just like one of the most comprehensive kind of like a video essay about folk horror. And if you're interested in that, uh, I think you'll find it pretty fascinating. Uh, If you're not, eh, it might not be for you. But if you're a movie fan and you like weird movies especially, this is going to give you so many weird movies to look for. And the really cool thing about it is Shudder, when they dropped this, they dropped about seven or eight of the oddball folk horror movies that are mentioned in this movie also on the channel. So that's the kind of thing that really I really appreciate about a, a channel like Shudder is that they're like, they're not only giving you this documentary, but they're saying like, oh, here's a bunch of the weird movies we talked about. If you want to check them out, here they are. That's kind of value added as well. I say it's pretty great. It's about four stars for me. Eh, it won't be for everybody. Well, it sounds like it's four stars for you, but it seems that it's so value added. It's giving people so many more movies, a, a different rabbit hole to go down towards. And you could totally watch this in pieces. Like I could imagine them have easily have, because it even has chapters. You know, they give it like chapter headings. Like the first one is something like the, I forget what they call it, the, uh, the trilogy of, you know, folk horror. Like it's the top three movies that are considered the beginning of all great folk horror. And they do like The Wicker Man and Blood and Satan's Claw and Witchfinder General. So each of those chapters is probably about 25, 20 minutes long. You could watch them a chapter at a time, a chapter a day, you know, and be easy. So Okay. Very cool. Again, that it's streaming on Shudder. Bruce Perky is our resident Shudder expert. Woodlands Dark and Days Bewitch, three-hour just project, documentary, just um, film pick kind of thing on streaming on Shutter. I think I'm going to check that out as well. Now, Eric, what is your big pick of the week? I guess I'm doing the amusement park. Amusement park. Okay, I, I have yeah, no idea what this is. What is it? We'll go with the amusement park is a George Romero movie. He shot in 1975, I believe, and it came out, what was it, a couple months ago for the first time. It was yeah. kind of like, uh, what was that, a Jerry Lewis uh, clown movie? He made it a long time ago, but it never came out. I, I don't think that yeah. this movie, I, I don't know what the history of this movie was. I don't think that George Romero was trying to hide it uh, like Jerry Lewis was with the uh, the clown movie. But At the day that clown cried, which I believe is coming out soon. I believe I he gave it a... He believe he gave it a time period after his death when yeah. it was allowed to be released, and I think we're approaching that. So keep your eyes peeled. Oh, I, very cool. I, I cannot wait for that. <laughs> <laughs> Good, bad, indifferent. That that's like one of those movies. It's like, oh, it finally happened. Um, but uh, this is uh, I I don't know what the history of this movie is, but it came out it came out uh, last year, twenty twenty one, a couple months ago, as we're recording this, and I believe it's playing on Shutter. The movie opens with this uh, old guy. He's wearing this this dirty suit. Uh, he's got cuts all over his face, a bandage. Uh, his hair's all messed up, and he's just like he looks like he went through hell. And another guy come comes in this room. It's a completely white room. And uh, he's got a, his nice white suit, all clean, hair done up. You know, he he, he looks uh, he looks ready to take on the world, and he's about to. And he's like, uh, "Hey, there's a door there. You want to come outside?" And he's like, "There's nothing out there for me." It's like, "Come on, come on, it'll be fun." It's like, "It'll be terrible. Don't go. Don't go. There's nothing out there. There's nothing out there." <laughs> and uh, the guy goes out, and as soon as he opens the door, he's in an amusement park, and it's just obnoxious noise coming from everywhere. Things, people everywhere. Basically, the the mm-hmm. the clean guy. 
he's out he's out in this uh amusement park which is a uh stand in for different aspects of actual life and he's an elderly person so this movie is shows an elderly person going through an amusement park but the idea is that this is how elderly people go through life and this is the stuff they put up with eventually it comes full circle and bookends and you'll it, if you watch the movie you'll see it the movie's like movie's less than an hour long it's like yeah. 56 minutes or something like yep. that so greg you're gonna want to get in yeah definitely one. definitely um I have a question for you for for this. I went on Rotten Tomatoes, okay? Mm-hmm. So for the critics, they gave it – there's 12 reviews. As of this recording, it's 96%. Audience reviews for this, audience score is 46%. Do you see yeah, the reason why? Okay. Just wondering why there's a big separation between yeah. the critics and fans of the genre. I, I think my biggest issue with this is I think when – because, again, this was made – this was shot in 1979 and released in 2021. So this is a really rare movie in the sense that what things um, – ideas people had – back in the day there are certain things that they didn't account for for today um this is this is quite in your face about what it's about it's about how people treat the elderly but i don't know that in 1971 you have the nancy pelosi's and the the donald rumsfeld's of the world who are also elderly and they're the ones running the world so you know, they they didn't have the scenes where uh, you know the the elderly person's being taken care of by young people, and only to say, "Oh, the black people moved in, F- screw them." It's like, oh Jesus, like you know that it, it right. was it was very uh, focused on what it was about, but I don't think it was complete. And that may be because of when it was made versus when it came out. This is definitely a movie worth worth watching because there's some there's some really cool ideas. You know, just because uh, you know the Nancy Pelosi's of the world are fucking everyone over. There are also other elderly people that are very much in the position that the main character is in this one, and those people need to be accounted for as well. And I think maybe if you focus more on that. Um, there's probably a lot more here and th- this movie has a lot to say and i think it's important I, you just have to you kind of have to forgive it and kind of get on try to find the context of what it's trying to say as opposed to going but what about these people well the movie's not talking about them because of when it came out so on and so forth but we're talking about these people okay i get it yes and we could treat those people better and maybe we should and so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of torn on this, but overall, I think the movie's heart is in the right place. And I love that George Romero did this because he's kind of one of those guys that just doesn't give a fuck about anything. He's like, this is what I think. And this is, I'm not going to be subtle about this whatsoever. Yeah. He, he just really went for it and I appreciate him for it. And, and more importantly, this is the last George Romero movie, even though it came out you know, <laughs> before a lot of, uh, uh, of his other one so that's uh worthy of note as well so this is the amusement park it says you said 79 some people say 73 on imdb it says released 1975 but like you said eric it's just been recently restored how many stars i could be wrong i don't think it was released in 75 i think it was shot in 75 75. yeah and it was released in 2021 I can give you some more context if you'd like to hear it. Yes. Sure. Some very interesting context. Well, so George Romero, you know, before he did Night of the Living Dead, he got to start doing like um, advertisements and like commercial films. Like that's kind of how he cut his teeth and got his skills. So this movie had a really interesting history. I'm reading this from IMDb as well, but I remembered this from before. Uh, and 
organization called the Lutheran Society hired George A. Romero to create a movie about elder abuse and the importance of showing respect to older people. That was how this got created. When Romero presented the society with the surreal and frightening take on the subject, they were so shocked and horrified by what they saw that they hid the film and never showed it to anyone, and it was 45 years later before it was found and restored. Oh, so the Lutherans fucked up again. Cool. So this is kind of a commercial. This is almost like a commercial project, um, probably to help him fund other movies. He probably did this, but he put his, his Romero craziness on it. And that became it's what it is. So that's what this, this is all about. That actually makes me like this even more. Yeah. yeah. We, we want this to be a, we want this to be a puff piece of, and actually that, that understands that that makes sense. Why it didn't go, it didn't go deep on the other side. Right. Uh, what, what I was saying about the Nancy Pelosi's of the world and so on and so forth. But, uh, wow. Yeah. This one yeah. is fucking brilliant. So this, if nothing else, this is an incredibly interesting oddity yeah. in, in film with a, you know, a famous director in a really odd situation. And this movie exists still, which is kind of great in that aspect. It may not be the most entertaining movie you've ever seen, but as, as far as interesting, it's got some really interesting history behind it. So. so, Eric, what stars, how many stars do you give The Amusement Park, directed by George A. Romero? I was going to go three and a half, and then Bruce read that, and it just shot up to a five. So, uh, so, I would say do your homework on this movie, and then go watch it. Okay, five stars for The <laughs> I, Amusement Park. I, I just fuck. I love the middle finger that uh, George uh, Romero did, and then, yeah, the... The context of the history of this movie just made it even better. So, yeah, this movie's great. Okay, cool. Five stars from Eric Holmes for The Amusement Park. That's a very, very good recommendation, especially if you're a fan of the works of Romero. Now, before we go, let's hear our musical interlude from our resident musician, Pete Abeda. What does Pete do? Drop every week Bruce Perky. Let's do Bruce Perky. He's never done the... Well, me? I never do this. Oh, never... no. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> Um, I'm not really up, equipped for this, so... Uh, yo, Pete, drop that... Oh, crap, I messed it up. Okay, yo... <laughs> yay, Pete, no. Yay, Pete, drop the beat. Who's in the box? Oh, uh, what's in the box? You lie! No! What's in the fucking box? All right, very good. Actually, Eric, both you and I are, have been fired. Bruce should do the drop the beats every week. We should just say, yo, Pete, watch Hotel Poseidon, please, and tell us what you think. Now, Bruce, what is – you have a very interesting – movie for what's in the box so tell us about yeah. it and, yeah we love jesse so i uh, part of part of this year is i've just been um dropping movies in that i've seen either suggested or recommended or just something that comes across in my brain and i go oh I, i'll put that in the box uh this is i guess somewhat suggested by jack fitzpatrick because he had posted um something about this movie i i don't remember ever recollecting hearing about this movie it's on netflix it's called other people Directed by Chris Kelly. Chris Kelly. Now, I don't know what else Chris Kelly has directed. I think Chris Kelly's yeah. mostly a writer. Anyways, from 2016, it stars Bradley Whitford. It stars Jesse Plemons and Molly Shannon in a mostly dramatic role. This is a fantastic movie. Uh, if you haven't seen it, uh, this is the basic concept. Uh, it starts out, the beginning of the movie is this. It's... Uh, the whole family is laying on the bed and they're all crying because the mother has just died 
And as they're laying there in this moment, holding hands and crying, Jesse Plemons is one of the people. He's one of the sons of, of Molly Shannon, who has died. They get an answering machine message, and it's just that weird juxtaposition of like this incredibly sad moment just being busted into by this annoying answering machine message. Cut to a year earlier, basically the new year. Molly Shannon has been diagnosed with cancer. She knows it. Uh, it's just beginning stages for her. She's totally fine at that point. Jesse Plemons is moving into the house to live with them. He's moved back from New York. And um, the movie is basically that year. It's basically what happens in that year. And it sounds like a total bummer, and it's not. It's got, you know, emotional moments to it, obviously. But it is just a great character piece, a great family movie. And Jesse Plemons, I don't think he's ever been better. I don't think I've ever seen him in a movie that's better. Because he, he a lot of times lately, is kind of plays the sad sack, like kind of mild-mannered dude. Yeah. And he's he does it all in this movie. He is so good. And um, I, it's just one of those movies that just gives and gives and gives and has fantastic characters. And I just think it's it's wonderful. It's really I great. remember really loving this movie and I can't remember a darn thing about it, probably because of the subject matter. It's just tough. It's yeah. tough for anyone to watch. I do remember, however, obviously Jesse Plemons, genius actor. We all love him. But I just remember, the one thing I remember from watching other people is, man, Molly Shannon is just a total gift. Great. And I need to see whatever she does. I need to see more. I remember thinking, I need to see more of her dramatic work. As funny as she is, she is a devastatingly talented dramatic actress. So I don't know like, if that's what yeah, you like got. Like a superstar. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's great, though. She's really good in this. And I want to say, <clears throat> perfect example of the kind of deadpan humor that's like humor but built out of tragedy. There's a scene, and it's sort of later on when, when um, his mom is starting to have a lot of issues. And he has to go out and get a whole bunch more toilet paper and laxatives for her. And there's a scene where he's getting more and more frustrated because life is just going to shit for him. And he's really having a hard time with it. But he's trying to kind of hold it together. He's got, you know, armload of toilet paper. He's going down the aisle and he keeps trying to find, he's like, where can I find the fucking laxatives? Why are the laxatives with the medicine? He keeps trying to find the laxatives. And finally he goes around a corner and he's standing there with the, you know, arm with, loaded with toilet paper. And he looks at the person and he goes like, where's the laxatives? And he's like... Uh, not for me, you know, <laughs> it's just like, you know, here he is holding all this toilet paper. And it's it's just a, it's a perfect example of how throughout this movie, there's poignancy, there's tragedy, and there's comedy. And it's just really great characters. Uh, for me, it's a four-star movie. It could, this is one of those, like uh, Eric said, this could go up. But I could see this being a, a, a really great find for a lot of people. It's on Netflix. It's solid. And it's one of those movies that you might stay away from because you're like, so, like I said, Total bummer. I don't want to watch this. It's not. You should check it out. Great. Okay, so that is a great pick. Indirectly picked by Jack Fitzpatrick. He has his own YouTube channel. Eric Holmes, what is that that name of Jack Fitzpatrick's channel? I, I'm let's crash this. Let's crash this parade. The guy with the bad brains, but it's, let's crash uh, this let's parade. Crash this parade. <laughs> <laughs> let's crash this parade from Jack Fitzpatrick. And Good he job, Jack. just posted a review of the brand new Scream. So hey, he can go out there and scoop it if you want to get it. There you go. Yeah, check yeah. out his review of the brand new Scream. And yeah, that is that is it. Before I go, I, this is the first time I've actually remembered, Bruce, what's in the box. Are you going to start shaking things? 
Can you believe I no, usually... No, that's not the bit. I'm oh, not, because that's not what we're doing this week. I completely forgot. I completely... <laughs> I did it again. I screwed it up again, folks. Nope, you're not doing what's in the box. Next week, we're doing the Dean Koontz Wallet Watch, where we have a rotating group. So this time, it's my my turn to pick the film we're going to watch for next week. Okay, once out of every month, we pick a film that all three of us have to watch. The movie that I'm picking is a film directed by Lee Tamahori, starring Nick Nolte, Jennifer Connelly, I believe, and Chas Palminteri. It's called... Mulholland Falls. I remember really being disappointed by this movie because I had an early script of it and I thought oh, it was thanks. going to be. Yeah, and no, just FYI. And this I'm, movie really sucks, but I'm going to make everyone watch it. Yeah, I'm going to make everyone watch it. I just remembered being really blown away by the original screenplay. Would love to hear what you guys, maybe, who knows, maybe after almost 20 years or maybe almost 20 years, maybe it's a lot better with the years past. So, so it's small. Is yes, the screenplay available online? I'm going to have to check, yeah, but I just remember it being brilliant and then watching the movie and then going, ugh, I can't believe I'm watching this. I, I'm going to make sure next week that I do a lot of talking about how awesome Naomi Watts was in it and, you know. Mulholland <laughs> <laughs> well, Drive. Very, very good. Yeah, in fairness, though, Eric Holmes, I, I read Pulp Fiction a year before Pulp Fiction came out and I saw Pulp Fiction yeah. in the theaters. And guess what? I was disappointed with the final product that was Pulp Fiction because I think, Eric, you, you have a special – you have an – I think you're very connected to screenplays. You have an image of the script when you read it and a year later when you – you have the – a year later, you end up being a little bit disappointed because you had all these things in your head. It's, it's just it's a kind of image. Have you ever had that where you read well, the screenplay first? And well, then- the, the first time I ever did that was with uh, Inglorious Bastards. Because um, I read the script for Inglorious Bastards before the movie came out. It was leaked online. And I was like, well, I'm going to fucking read that. I don't give a shit. Yeah. And I read it. And the screenplay for Inglorious Bastards was fucking awesome. As you would expect from a Quentin Tarantino script. And then the movie came out. And there was uh, one scene in particular that was in the script that was really great. It, it was when Donnie Donowitz gets his bat. And there's like this whole scene that goes along with that. And I believe Cloris Leachman was supposed to play a part in that. Because she was, she was supposed to be in Inglorious Bastards. And um, I, I heard a thing from... Uh, uh, oh, Fuck, what's his name? God damn it. Sam Levine. Uh, Sam Levine talks about this. And he's like, oh, they shot the shit out of that. Uh, you know, it might not. That scene may never even be released, but they definitely shot it. But that scene was in the script and was like, and I'm watching the movie waiting for that part to come out because it was it was such a good, it was just such a good scene. And then uh, I watched the movie and obviously it's not in there. And so I was kind of disappointed with that. But Did then, it ruin like, your the overall scene for yeah. Inglorious okay. Bastards? Yeah. No, because like the, the opening scene for Inglorious Bastards was every bit as awesome as it read on, on the screen. I think it's kinda kinda fun to do that, but you have to know that, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna read the book before you see the movie adaptation, or if you're gonna read the script before the movie comes out, you have to know that things are gonna change. And you might not want that, but you can't fault the movie for that. You have to, you have to take the movie on its own. Uh, you know what? what they on you got to take the movie on its own terms. It's not fair to read a script before it comes out and then watch the movie and go, "Well, that you cut the scene out, and I like that scene." It's like, well, we didn't release the script, <laughs> so you shouldn't have read it to begin with. The script was for the actors and for the the crew and for everyone to know, and and we left in what we wanted to and took out what we didn't want to for reasons that we thought were right at the time but it is kind of fun to read scripts ahead of time if you can just the i i don't usually hold it against movies if they change things 
because um, I just take the movie for what it is. But it is really fun to read a script ahead of time and then watch the movie later on just to see, ooh, I, I know the movie I have in my head. I want to see how they how they realized it. So I get excited about stuff like that on the rare instances that I get to do that, which is, oh, shit, I'm trying to think of the last time I got to do that. Probably Interstellar, maybe. Oh, Interstellar's got a great opening in the script. If you can find the Interstellar script, check that out because that opening is fucking sweet. And by the way, I shoot that. In the- by, by the way, I recently interviewed this actress. Her name is Jackie Vinay. She was one of the actresses in Fear Street Part Two. She plays without yeah. giving too much spoilers. She she plays the woman, the young girl who has sex with one of the fellow campers. I, I'm sure you remember hmm. her her in the movie. And one of her, I asked her obviously what's one of her all time favorite movies, and one of her picks was Interstellar. She loves Interstellar yeah. so much. So we'll be po- posting up that that interview pretty soon. Before we go, Bruce, can you just give a little bit of a tease of what we have next week? We're doing a little special mini episode regarding sort of year-end stuff. Oh, yeah. So we're going to try to do – once again, we talked about it last week, so I'm not going to go through them all again. But we're going to try to do all of um, our kind of weird categories and our tops for 21 in those weird categories. I think we have a plan to probably put a post up at some point uh, with those categories so we can get some – listener feedback as well and kind of see what you would where you guys would come up on the same categories before we do that and then we'll hit some movies as well next week i have a, i have a just an evergreen category that i'm just going to throw out to you guys i think we've been doing this for about two years i have what's the one movie that you simply even to this day can't shake so you can answer it however you want so that's a category hopefully maybe we can add a movie that that we've covered in how many 100 plus episodes a movie that we still can't shake that's still is in our noggin, so we'll keep that, and we'll we'll announce we'll announce that. That's one of the c- categories we will announce and talk about maybe next week for a special category episode, end of the year kind of thing. So yeah, don't, let, don't, let, yes, let, Eric. Let me. Uh, I have my let choice. Let me throw already. something that kind of that kind of goes with that. Uh, yeah. There's a scene that I can't shake, oh. and this is uh, we, we're talking about reading scripts before you see the movie. I read a script by Andrew Kevin Walker. Uh, who yes. wrote Seven yes. and then yeah. Eight Millimeter and Sleepy Hollow? Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly Seven, but uh, he wrote this script called Psycho Killer, and you can find this online. Um, you might even go to his website; it might be on there. But if not, look up uh, Psycho Killer Andrew Kevin Walker dot PDF or whatever, and it it should pop up. There's a oh goddamn that that script the the script kind of the like the story kind of falls apart towards the end because it gets a little it gets a little too gory weird or stupid okay. whatever but there there's a scene it, if you find the script read it and there's a scene that happens outside in the parking lot of Walmart that's one of the most suspenseful things I've ever seen or read or anything like that that walmart scene basically it's it's the killer he gets inside of a car and he's just waiting in the back seat Mm. and he's just sitting there and he's waiting for the uh, woman that works at walmart to come into (laughs) you 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 know what's going to happen as soon as he's sitting in that back seat you know she's going to eventually get inside the car in the driver's seat and bad things are going to happen, but uh, the the way that thing is written is so freaking good. If you ever get the chance, if you're listening to this, go online, Google "Psycho Killer" by Andrew Kevin Walker. PDF, and then read that script. Um, it falls apart towards the end, but that that whole first like two thirds, uh, three fourths, or whatever is really fantastic. The last thing that An- Andrew Kevin Walker did was the 2016 animated film Nerdland, which stars. 
Patton Oswald and Paul Rudd features their voices, directed by Chris Prinoski. Before then, he before that he was the writer behind the 2010 film The Wolfman, directed I'm not uh, starring Benicio yeah. del Toro I, and Anthony Hopkins. I, I think he's probably has a bunch of uncredited stuff. I I got the feeling that he's because I I know he works with uh oh he's doing uh David Fincher's got a movie coming out this year should have a movie coming out this year written by. Andrew Kevin Walker. Cool, I believe cool. it's an adaptation of a comic book, maybe The Killer. Yeah, I believe The Killer. Yes. Um, but wow. so th- there you go. Okay. Yeah, very, very good. That is good. So Sorry, babbling too much. No, no, no. That is a, that's a big recommendation from Eric Holmes. Check out Psycho Killer. It's available probably online. Just Google it. Might be available on a PDF, and maybe you might not want to go to Walmart after reading that scene. Very good recommendation. <laughs> You'll <laughs> certainly check the back seat of your car before you walk into very, it. <laughs> yeah, very, very good. As per usual, we are. I'm, I always wonder whether whether I'm forgetting something before we leave. But let's leave on some some wise wisdom. Why wisdom wise from Mr. Bruce Perky? Well, the new scream comes out this week, but it's going to do fine. You don't have to go watch that, but. Bell is also coming out this week in the theater, and it probably won't be there very long, and it's available in IMAX in a lot of places, so why don't you get your asses in this theater and go see Bell and watch Scream some other time? Very great recommendation from Bruce. Very spirited. Yes, Bell in in, in, in IMAX would be a beautiful experience. Hopefully some of you guys see oh, it if you see it. Oh, what, right? If only that could happen. Uh, if, if only, only that, that could if happen. Only, if only. <laughs> All right, if only, guys. We will see you next week here on Find Your Film. Thank you so much.